Yes, yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. Any questions I ask myself when I question myself. Table fam, how are we feeling tonight? Yo, I missed you guys. Wow, three weeks feels like an eternity. Wow, I really did. I mean, we had our last table about three, four weeks ago, and we had an incredible worship night. We got to baptize people, and then it was like, Tuesday night happens, and just, just the table, like, Tuesday night just feels weird. It just feels weird for me whenever we don't have the table. Like, I just, anyway, I just really, really miss you guys. It is such an honor and such a pleasure. Um, if we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Isaac, and I bring leadership. I'm along with our team here at the table, young adult pastor here at First Orlando. And I'm really, really excited for the series that we're about to jump in. Um, but to set us up, man, growing up, growing up, my entire life, I was told, I'm a millennial, I'm 32 years old, millennial, I'm like right in the middle, and I'm a Gen Z probably experiences this as well. Growing up my entire life, I was told I was amazing and I could do anything I wanted to do, right? And I believed it like a chump. I was like, yeah, I'm amazing. I can do anything I want to do. So I did. So I constructed my life exactly how I wanted to, and I put myself exactly where I wanted to be, right? So I remember graduating high school. Um, I wanted to go to Baylor University, and it's in Texas. I'm originally from Texas. So I'm there, and I'm like, yeah, I made it to Baylor. Good job. And I'm like, I'm like tiring my arm for like patting myself on the back so hard. I'm like, yeah, I got myself here. That's right, right? And then I wanted to study business, and then I was like, did well in business, and then I switched my major to film, and I did well in film. And I'm like, man, this is amazing. I'm so good at what I'm doing. Eventually, I graduate college, um, and two year, just two years after college, um, I get my dream job. See, 24-year-old Isaac was killing it. 24-year-old Isaac was exactly where I thought he would be at 24. I got my dream job. I'm living in Dallas. Um, I just started this new exciting relationship. I was making at that time the most money I ever had, which wasn't much, but it was still the most money that I ever had. Fast forward four years. I'm 28 years old. And um, I, am, I had quit my job. Um, I had no source of income. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. Um, I had, a, at that point, a string of failed relationships, and I wasn't sure who my friends were. Also, at this point, I remember vividly, 28 years old, um, I'm sitting alone by myself on the top of a mountain. And it was my birthday. Mm. And I'm sitting by myself, and I'm like, what happened with my life? See, I thought I could just keep going up and up and up, and I would just put myself exactly where I needed to be, and here I am, not at all where I thought I would be. I'm not at all where I thought I needed to be um, at 28 years old. See, here's what I wanted. I want enough. That's what I told myself. I want enough. And by that, I mean, um, I want to be rich enough, I want to be cool enough, I want to be smart enough, I want to be beautiful enough, I want to be successful enough, and I want to be powerful enough. And that's what I wanted. I just wanted enough. And I was navigating college, after high school and college, and through my 20s, I want enough. But now I'm looking at my 20s, especially, just kind of culminated with me being 28, right? And, and, and I realized I am not at all where I want to be when it comes to how rich I am, how cool I am, how smart I am, how beautiful I am, how successful I am, and how powerful I am. And because of that, because I'm not where I want to be, because I don't have enough to achieve these things that I want, I feel behind. Now, because I feel behind, here's what I do, and here's what I did from 24 to 28, and also you can go out years before and after that as well. Here's what I did. I learned about life hacks. You guys know about life hacks? 
life hacks are incredible, right? Because they're like, it's basically a cheat sheet to get you from where you want to go, like from where you are to where you want to go, right? So you just kind of like, and you, there's like people on TikTok and on Instagram um, and on, on YouTube and basically saying like, hey, hey, if you want to get rich, no, 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 don't, don't do it the traditional way, that nine to five, boring. Here, you want to get rich, crypto baby, right? Like, that's what you got to do. Hey, learn how to trade in the market. It's really easy. Just do it that way. Hey, uh, getting, getting rich is easy. One, two, three. You don't have to read all those books. I've already read all them for you. Just subscribe to my course, subscribe to my program, right? And then I'll get you from where you want to be. Or perhaps, you know, maybe it's like you just um, came out of a relationship and you're feeling really bad. So what do you do, right? You're like, man, I got to hit the gym. Right? So you're like, man, I'm not, I just, if I can just be strong enough, if I can just get, get big enough, if I can just look, or man, if I can just change my outfit, you know, if I can just see life hacks help us, life hacks help me get quicker, faster. So in, whenever it comes to trying to be rich, when it comes to trying to be cool, whenever it comes to trying to be beautiful, successful, powerful, whatever we want in life, whatever we're aiming for, we want to find the quickest and fastest and easiest way to get there. But ultimately, here's the thing about life hacks. And here's the thing about living in a life to where we want enough. Because what do we know? It's never enough. And we just going after, keep going and going and going, trying to get enough and ultimately it's this type of living where we realize, if we're just to be honest, my, my hand's raised here, if we're honest, it's all about me. Trying to get to where we want as quickly as possible, bypassing the process, bypassing everything, just trying to get rich, just trying to be beautiful, just trying to be smart, trying to orient our lives to get what we want so we feel like we have enough, utilizing all the life hacks in the world that we can we real, it's, we, the, we're living it's all about me type lifestyle, right? And ultimately, and you know this if you've lived this way, right? Here's what happens whenever we just continue on this path. Eventually, we end up, our life is a dumpster. This was me when I was 28. I was like, I had from 24 to 28, I'd learned all these life hacks. I was trying to make money. I was in the gym. I was trying to do, do all of these things. And ultimately, my life is a dumpster. So whenever we feel, find ourselves in a dumpster with our lives, what do we do? We're like, man, you know what's going to get me out of the dumpster? If I can just have enough. And here starts the cycle all over again. It's this vicious cycle of I don't have enough. I want enough. I want to get to where I want to go. You try that. We're in the dumpster. But we think, man, if I just try harder next time, if I just do more next time, if I have even, I didn't, I didn't do it right the first time. If I can just do it right the first time, that is what will get me to where I want to go. And what we want to do, and I think what we're, the series, what we're trying to do here in the series is say, hey, look, can we just be honest? All of us have been here. All of us have experienced this. And I and us and our team and what we want to talk about for this semester, for this fall season here at the table is how do we break the cycle so we're not just putting ourselves just back in the dumpster over and over and over again when it comes to our lives. Because breaking the cycle, it happens both in an instant and it's also a lifelong journey. See, but fortunately, we're not the first ones to find ourselves in a dumpster. We're not the first ones to have very, like, it's all about me type living. There's actually, um, the Apostle Paul, he wrote a book, and he wrote a letter to this church that was in Corinth. Corinth is in uh, modern-day Greece. See, Paul addresses this very idea in an entire letter to the church in Corinth. See, and as we see um, in Corinth, we also see um, the messiness of people's lives in Corinth is also we see the messiness in our own lives of people that just keep putting themselves in the dumpster, just living in it's all about me uh, lifestyle. See, in this book of 1 Corinthians is really interesting, or a letter to Corinth is really interesting, because 1 Corinthians could actually be called uh, First Orlandoans. 
See, and, and, and by that I mean um, the, 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 the context of Corinth is incredibly similar to the context of Orlando. See, Corinth, see, Corinth was, a, it, was a, it, was a, it was a trade city right on the coast. See, and people would just trade through Corinth. Right, so they would. Um, it was at the heart of an important trade route. Seeing everything, all goods and services, would just kind of flow through Corinth. And what do we know about Orlando? Orlando is in Central Florida. See, and I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but because of where Orlando was situated, um, goods and services just kind of start, at least for the Florida region, the Florida economic region, goods and services kind of start in Orlando and and fly here and end up here, and then go out to to Tampa, to Miami, to Jacksonville. So so Orlando is almost, in in the context of Florida, like a modern-day Corinth, Um, as well as um, Corinth had a reputation for sexual morality, religious diversity, and brokenness. Um, it, got, it was actually so bad in Corinth that prostitutes, the way that they, they would just refer to them, like, oh, Corinthian women? That's how bad it was. Yeah, so in Orlando, what do we know about Orlando, right? Orlando, there's rampant sexual morality, there's diversity, there's brokenness, there's also theme parks. I don't think they have theme parks in Corinth, but there's theme parks here in Orlando. See, so the Apostle Paul, he lived in Corinth for about a year and a half. He lived there, and then when he did, he started sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, and people would just gather, and he started getting people together, and they were brand new Christians, and he started this church, right? And then he left. See, and whenever you start something and kind of new Christians start, there's a lot of, it just gets really messy because people are trying to figure things out, right? They're like babies, right? My, my wife and I, we have a four-month-old daughter. Uh, we love her. She's very messy, Right? Uh, even today, like just maybe 10 minutes ago, my wife, uh, we, like I sit here for a second, I got to see my daughter for a second, and she's like, hey, smell. And it's like, put my daughter's butt up to my face. She's like, does she have a poopies? And I'm like, yes, she does. She's like, okay, I'm going to have to go change her. I'm like, okay, love you. Okay, bye. And then I came up here. So like, like an infant, and Paul actually refers to, to Corinth as, as infants, right? And he's saying, uh, so he's trying to write to address the messiness, and um, what they end up doing is they don't receive the letter that he sent, and they had all these questions, so he has to write a second letter trying to address the messiness. And, and, my, and so he writes with much more clarity how they are just not living the way of Jesus, right? Because the people in Corinthians, they were drunk, they were suing each other, they were having sex, they were believing these crazy ideas, and here's what, we here in Orlando, Orlandoans, we're just like them. So we're not going to pretend that we're not messy. So really, when it says a letter to Corinth, messy church, it could also be a letter to Orlando, and that's what we're going to be talking about in this series, is not to try to um, excuse the mess, but we're trying to navigate through the mess. Even Britt said it earlier beautifully, we're here, we call ourselves a banquet for the broken, right? And we love that. People, you come exactly as you are, don't change a single thing about yourself, and you will be loved exactly as you are. But what happens when you get a bunch of broken people together? I guess a little messy, right? And um, so we don't want to just accept the mess. We want to navigate through the mess toward Jesus. See, for some of us, we hate that idea, right? We're like very like black and white, yes, no, rules, right? I love rules. Yes, 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 you broke the rules, ha, right? And we want a perfect church. And you know how to find a perfect church? You die, and then you go to heaven. (laughs) Then you'll find a perfect church. Until then, on this side of heaven, there's always going to be varying degrees of mess that we need to navigate. There's, we don't need to um, uh, like, just like say, hey, mess is okay. We're not saying mess is okay. We're just saying we're embracing the mess for what it is. 
And then we're trying to move forward from the mess toward Jesus. So the question to set up the, the, the message specifically for today is how do we navigate this breaking of the cycle of all about me living in the messiness of our lives? And if you have your Bible, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're starting in chapter 1. I mean, we're going to start in verse 17. In verse 17. Here we go, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 um, and verse 17, uh, where Paul kicks off, where he says, For Christ did not send me to baptize. Um, see, he's saying um, basically what was going on, we'll talk about more about this next week. What was going on is there was like a baptism competition. And you're like, who are you baptized by? Oh, I was baptized by this guy. Oh, you were baptized by that guy? So Paul's like, hey, I'm stepping out of this baptism competition because that's weird. We'll talk about that more next week. That's weird. He's like, so I'm not, Christ did not send me to baptize to enter into this weird baptism competition. He says, but to preach the gospel. Right, that's what he says. Hey, Christ sent me to preach the gospel. See, and what is the gospel? So we have this cross here. You're wondering, what's the cross for and what's the bookshelf for? We'll get to that. We'll start with the cross here. So why, why is the cross here? He said, Christ did not send me uh, to baptize, but to preach the gospel. The gospel is the good news. And here's the good news. Here's the good news. Is that you are created by God with value and dignity and worth. God created the world um, with the potential for good. And you were created with the potential for good, with value and dignity and worth. But what happened? See, sin entered into the world, and we are born into a sinful world. So we are born sinners. So although we have the potential and the capacity for good, what happens is we are corrupted. We're sinful. We're broken people. So whenever we call ourselves a banquet for the broken, that's what we're saying is, hey, can we just all acknowledge that we're sinners? Can we just all acknowledge that we're messed up and that we're broken, right? But so that's the bad news. But here's the good news. Here's the gospel is that Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. And then to the point to where um, he died and was crucified on the cross because of his perfect, sinless life. And people started making these false accusations about him and they killed him. But Jesus didn't stay dead. If Jesus stayed dead, we have no hope. But then Jesus rose again three days later, and as he rose again, he brought about new life so that we can have new, we can have new life as well. You want to get out of the dumpster? You got to believe in Jesus. And you got to believe Jesus rose from the dead, and we have new life in him. But that doesn't just stop there. Now we get to spread the good news to everybody around us. That's the gospel. See, but Paul says, like, he didn't come in just to preach the gospel, but he said, but not, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Right here, here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, hey, you've gotten enough life hacks. I'm not here to give you another life hack. I'm not here to give you another tip, trick. I'm not here to give you just a one, two, three easy step. I'm not here to just make it life really easy. Here's why I'm here. I'm here to preach the gospel, to surrender your life to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I'm not going to try to make it, um, try to woo you with words or rhyming illustrations or just make it really like kitschy. I'm not here to present to you eloquent wisdom for you to go. Have you ever like been watching like a YouTube video or heard somebody speak? and you're like, ooh, wow, that's really good. And then like wrote that down. Like, oh, man, wow, I've never heard, pff, like, mind blown. Like, I've gone to so many messages, not just at church. Like, I'm watching videos, business ideas, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I got into marketing for a little while, and I was like, oh, my gosh, sales funnel, pff, that's so good. Whoa, and I, like, wrote that down. And Paul says, hey, I am not here to blow your mind. 
I'm not here to impress you with eloquent wisdom. The only thing that I have to say, the only reason I was sent is to preach the gospel, lest the cross be emptied of its power. He continues in verse 18 where he says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Verse 19, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Verse 20, Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? So we have the cross of Christ, the gospel on this side. Of this side over here, we have all of this books and knowledge and wisdom. We have the wisdom of this world. And here's what I want us to really understand here, is that the wisdom of the world and the cross and gospel of Jesus Christ are two completely separate things. You cannot adopt the cross of Christ while also trying to learn from the wisdom of the world. There is a wisdom of Jesus we're going to get into in a little bit. There is a way to live, and by, by trying to adopt um, um, the way that Paul says it, worldly principles, which we'll get into in a second to unpack it a little bit, worldly principles, that's not how you live. But when you're standing over here, over there, the dude died. And people worship him? That's crazy. What? And you like live your life in this way and you don't do what we do and you don't believe what we believe and you believe that somebody died and then resurrected three days later? That's, you're, an, you're a Christian. You are an idiot. How can you believe that? That's so dumb. That's so stupid. Because whenever you grow up with the wisdom of the world, you look over here, it's foolish, right? Like, take, could we just take a second to see what Christians believe? All right, we believed a virgin gave birth. That's crazy. Can, you, can we just take, we, it's okay, that's crazy. Is that crazy? That's crazy. A virgin gave birth, right? Can we acknowledge that um, water turned into wine? That's crazy. You're like, yeah, it's crazy, but I'll, I'll take some, right? <laughs> can we just acknowledge that how crazy it is that like 12 single dudes in their 20s just hung out with each other? <laughs> Somebody, <laughs> Somebody, I'll repeat, I'm repeating. He's like, welcome to the table. That's us, bro. <laughs> Can we just, not all of them were single. Some, some got married. But overall, it's, just a lot, it's a lot of bro time. It's a lot of dude time, right? And the world sees that and dudes see that and you're like, that's crazy, right? I got, I got things I got to do and that's not it, right? So like, just, let's just think about it. How we live, for those of us, and the reason I mention this is I grew up in church. I grew up where this was normal. Like, the gospel is normal. It's so like, yeah, of course I believe that. Of course I believe that a man was solid by a fish and was in the belly of a fish for three days, Jonah. Of course, right? Of course. Like, I don't even question it, because I'm a kid. I grew up in that. Man, you try to tell that to somebody that grew up in the wisdom of the world, and you, if you're a new Christian, if you got saved in your, in your 20s, um, or even in your 30s, or you got saved late as a teenager, right? Some of us, we got saved earlier on as kids. Some of us got saved later. Some of us did not grow up in church. Some of us, this may be your very first time in a long time, and you're like, you don't even, you're not a Christian. You don't even, but you're amening what I'm saying. You're like, yes, Christianity is dumb. Well, I'm glad it was said. I'm just glad it was said. It, it, it seems foolish. And this is what Paul is exactly saying here in this text, where he says, for since, where, where is the wise one? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of the sage? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? Right? And he's saying, hey, look, God actually, though, from God's perspective, 
The way that he, because he sent his son Jesus to die, to live, and to die, and to take on the sins of the world. He's saying, hey, look, world, I know you think that we're foolish. With all the compassion and love in the world, you're foolish. Because you're living in a way that's going to lead to a dumpster. And you're living in a way that's not going to bring you life. And here's the way of the world, is you just keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. You think it's going to bring you life, and it doesn't but you don't know any better. So you just keep, you're like, okay, let me, try, let me try a different book. Okay, let me try a different thing. Let me try a different life hack. Let me try a different way of doing things. And Paul's saying, hey, look, you're playing that game over there. It, it's foolish, right? And then he says in verse 21, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, right? It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe, right? And then, People, the world's like, okay, Christian, okay, all right, are you? Okay, let me, let me, okay, let me try to learn about your God. Okay, I read, okay, this is a bad example, this is a Bible, okay, it's a bad example. Uh, okay, uh, okay, grab this, this is not, uh, perfect, no, okay, here's a, here we go, here we go, here we go. Okay, so the, the world's reading and reading and reading and like, okay, I read about your God, yeah, you're still dumb. I didn't, I read about your God. I didn't experience him. Okay, I read about your God. No, I don't, like, I don't know how you got there. There is a supernatural act that helps you see, move from here to here. And unless that supernatural act where God himself intervenes into our lives, we can never fully see and experience the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? That's what it takes. So that's what he's saying here um, in, um, in verse 21 where he says, The world did not know God through wisdom, but it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those he believe. And then in verse 22, there's two people groups in the church who were particularly following the wisdom of the world. There's two primary people groups. We're going to unpack, unpack this a little more. Where he says, For Jews demand signs. Okay, context. So Jews were people that were, they, they, they were God's people, right? They were God's people. See, but then God sent, they were waiting for a Messiah to come. They were waiting for the chosen one, the anointed one, the come, the one who was going to set them free, who was going to make their lives amazing. See, because the Jews, they used to be in power. And then the Roman Empire came, and they took away um, the Jewish, um, uh, yeah, eventually, the, in the region that they were, there's like Babylonian Assyrians and all that. We're just going to skip ahead some history. Um, eventually, in the context of where this is being written, the Babylonian, so the Roman Empire is there, and they're the ones in charge, not the Jews. So the Jews are waiting for somebody who's going to come to get them back in power to overthrow the political government so they can be in charge again. Sound familiar, anybody? I'm not even going to get into that. Okay. So, but the Jews, the Jews are waiting for, for this chosen one, anointed one, to make them powerful. I was going to say make them powerful again, but I'll further enforce my point that I was trying not to make. Okay. Um, so see, the Jews wanted power. They wanted a God who's going to come and crush their enemies and liberate them and set up a nation. They wanted only good things to happen to them and to make their life exactly what they wanted. Where they would say, God, I will worship you. Right? So their wisdom of the world, even in a, from a Christian perspective, is saying, hey, God, I will worship you whenever you make me healthy. Hey, God, I will worship you whenever you fill my bank account. Hey, God, I will worship you whenever you give me exactly what I want. Hey, God, I will worship you whenever you make me powerful. 
So he's saying, and he's saying with that, with signs and miracles, it's very powerful acts. She's saying, hey, God, if you make me powerful, then I will worship you, right? The Jews, the signs of this world, see, Jews um, demand signs. They just wanted to be stronger than everybody because from a Jewish perspective, because they were God's people, it is what they deserve. Sound familiar? Just a little bit? You're like, uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh-oh, to realize it. Can you, can you back off a little bit? Can you, can you just back off where, like, I just want God to make me happy and I don't feel very happy right now, so it's God's fault, so I'm just going to wait until he makes me happy again so I can love him again. Okay, can you, you can just stop. Just don't, don't say that. I'm like, okay. So he says, uh, but he says, so the Jews demand signs, but he says the Greeks seek wisdom. See, where the Jews, they wanted power, they wanted amazing things to happen to them. See, the Greeks, the Greeks were scrappy. The Greeks were know-it-alls. Part of Greek culture is knowledge and logic, and reasoning. There were, there were know-it-alls. So whenever they say that Greece seek wisdom, they, they resisted truth of the gospel. They resisted it, right? And they weren't teachable. They were like, you ever met somebody that's just not teachable? You're like, hey, I, I, here's an answer. And they're like, no, you're dumb, bye. Right? They're, they're just not, they're not listening. They're like, they know it all. They're like, oh, I learned that 10 years ago. You don't need to tell me that again, right? Like, they, they're just not teachable. And they, the Greeks are so enlightened. They're going with the latest trendy way to think. They're just smarter than everybody. They're really scrappy. They're, they're just trying to push the needle f- forward in society. They're trying to move things forward, right? And they're trying to teach all the latest, trendiest ideas, right? And so the Greeks seek wisdom. So both with the wisdom of the world is both Jew and Greek, See, it's both the God's people, quote-unquote, and the non-God's people, quote-unquote, right? And even here, and this is partly why the church is so messy, because even here in this room right now, right, there's Jews and there's Greeks. And there's Jews that believe Jesus, and there's Greeks that believe Jesus. And there's Jews that believe the wisdom of the world, and there's Greeks that believe the wisdom of the world. Whenever you put these people together and put all of us together, it gets very messy. Because you still have the wisdom of the world, even for proclaiming God's people that are proclaiming God's people, you have the wisdom of the world that's, that, that is here and it's present within the messiness of the church. But here's, here's what Paul says. He says, um, Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But here's what I do. But we preach Christ crucified. He says, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. It's a paradox. The word Christ and crucified is a paradox because Christ, this means the chosen one, the anointed one, the powerful one, the one who's coming in splendor and triumph. See, and then you have crucified. See, where this God-man was weak and humiliated and defeated. So even in the phrase Christ crucified, it's a paradox because you have powerful and mighty and died and was humiliated in death. So when Paul says Christ crucified, he's basically saying, hey, look, Jesus laid down all of his God power. He laid everything down and died because he knew that the way to victory for the world was through his death. So whenever Paul's saying, I'm preaching Christ crucified, he's saying that we have this guy, this God-man, Jesus Christ, that we follow um, that laid down his life 
right? So to preach Christ crucified means, hey, we, we serve and we worship a God who humbled himself. We serve and worship a God who made himself weak to serve everybody. See, but the, whenever the, 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 the world sees that, it's like, it's, it's, well, he, let's just read in verse 24, where he says this, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews. The Jews couldn't buy this idea because they said, no, 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 my Savior is not weak. My Savior's not going to humble himself. My Savior's strong. So whenever they see Jesus die, they're like, oh, that's not my Savior. It was a stumbling block. They could not believe in Jesus because he was weak and humiliated and was crucified. See, and, and, the, and the Gentiles, and follow to the Gentiles, see, see the Gentiles, the non-God's people, they just, or, G- Gentiles and Greeks, it means the same thing in this context. They just couldn't, like, believe that somebody who was already on top would put himself on bottom. They just could not believe that idea. Like, why? That doesn't, like, logically, that doesn't make any sense. When you're already winning, why do you lose? See, and Paul continues, right, in verse, um, in verse 24. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. He says in verse 25, For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Here's what he's saying. Yes, it doesn't make sense. God's way is better than our worldly way of thinking. See, God's way, um, it just does, it's upside down to what the world says is true, right? So here's the big idea, and here's what we do. Here's what Paul is doing, and here's what we do here at the table. Here's what we're going to set us up for every message for the rest of the series. We preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ crucified. There is no other way, right? I was having a conversation actually with a guy. Um, he, used, he used to live here and was like um, um, older, than, not old, but like older than me. So he's probably in his, in his 40s, like him and his wife. Um, and there's like an incredible, amazing couple and they, they moved away. But I was, I was catching up with him um, and we were having a conversation because one of the things that we try to do around here um, um, with varying levels of um, integration is being able to uh, just connect older and younger people together and like trying to figure out how to do that. So this is something me and the team, we're having conversations right now about and we're trying to figure out um, like how, how that works and what that can look like. And I was, I was talking with him and asking him because he had been somebody that was older, that was serving like in our ministry, like as a mentor and to be able to help disciple us, um, those of us that are in our 20s. Um, and I asked him, hey man, well what's, because I, I don't want to just say just because somebody is older that they're smarter, right? You don't, just because somebody has years on you doesn't, make, doesn't mean you should listen to them, right? So I'm like, hey, can you help, just help me figure out um, how like, what's, what, what, how to help think through this, or not to just assume that somebody's older, that they're wiser. Like, how can we actually think through this? And he was like, oh, Isaac. He's like, it's really easy, man. There's two ways to live. Either you're living for yourself to make much of yourself. And you can be a Christian, you can call yourself a Christian, you can be in church, but ultimately, you're, you are the one that's sitting on the throne of your life, and you're in charge, and everyone is here just to serve you, to make your name great, um, to, to be able to make much of yourself, and, and then perhaps you even use a serving in a ministry as a way to make yourself feel better, so you look awesome, so you can brag about it to all your other friends. And he's like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about those people. Here's the other way to live, Christ crucified to where you acknowledge that we are dead to ourselves, we make much of God, and we serve other people with everything that we have. That's it. Either we're living our life trying to make much of ourselves, or we're living our life giving glory to God and to serve 
other people, right? And as I looked around, even like the people that I know around here, around First Orlando, and it's like, man, you're right. Because like, um, honestly, subconsciously, like within me, and I haven't really talked about this too much, but I kind of put people like just subconsciously in like, I like them and I'm not sure about them, right? Like, hey, th- those people, man, I really vibe with them. They're so life-giving. Like, I love spending time with them. This group of people are here, Ugh. I don't know, right? And even when, like, I just not, I'm just not sure. Like, I just, I've just got kind of got a weird feeling. And then I went back to what this, this older guy told me, and I'm like, yep, that's exactly what it is. Is that there's people that I spend time with just all about themselves, trying to make much of themselves. There's other people that I love spending time with, and they're all about um, um, dying to themselves, g- giving glory to God, and living their entire life just serving other people and just freely giving of themselves to other people. And that's resonated so much with me because recently, man, I've gotten everything that I've wanted in life. I'm a Jew. I got the power, right? I got, I got the house. I got the, um, the wife. I got a baby. Now I'm like, man, I, like, I'm, like, really, I'm, I'm Jewish. I've accumulated all of these things, right? And also, like, I've learned so much, like, knowledge about Bible, but also other books and learning emotional awareness and learning, like, yeah, man, I got both the Bible and psychology. Yeah, I'm good, right? And, and I'm Greek because I have all this knowledge. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm thinking, man, I'm really wrestling with this. And I'm like, the, the, the things that I've accumulated, it's not satisfying me. I mean, I love my wife. I love her house. I love her baby. It's incredible. But I'm talking, like, from a, like a soul, like, deep down soul satisfaction. Ain't no human being that can give you that. Yeah. And I'm also, like, learned and I read a lot and I like to do things in school. Like, and, and I'm wrestling with this. And I'm like, man, I'm Jew and I'm Greek. I want to accumulate things and I want to accumulate knowledge. And I'm saying nothing satisfied other than Christ crucified. And that's how we're wrapping up here. It's because, and I want to read this in, a, in um, Galatians 2.20 where he says this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He said, hey, look, and we... We have been crucified with Christ. So as Jesus was crucified and humbled himself and made himself weak, we, as Christ's followers, humble ourselves and make ourselves weak, and we become a servants to all. And as we're doing that, that's how to make the church a little less messy. Right? I want you to imagine. Imagine everyone in this room, every single person just living for themselves, doing whatever they want to do. Right? When it comes to uh, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to sex, when it comes to drunkenness, when it comes to money, when it comes to how we spend our time, when it comes to conflict. All right? Imagine if everybody was only in it for themselves. How would that feel? And you're like, it feels a lot like it feels now. No, like how that wouldn't feel. That we that's not something that we want to participate in. Now I want you to imagine if every single person here in this room, was not living for themselves, but actually saying, hey, look, I want to be dead to the way that I want to live. I want to be crucified to my own desires of selfishness. And I'm proclaiming Christ crucified, and I know that I have been crucified with Christ. So as a Christian, it's not I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, this body life I now live, I live by faith in Jesus because he gave himself for me. That's the God that we worship, and he models for us how to live. So I want us to think through two things on how we can live Christ crucified as we're wrapping up here. Two things. As If you're asking yourself, okay, am I 
Okay, am I living a Christ-crucified life? I don't know. Am I being selfish? I don't know. Am I living a me-centered life? Am I just trying to go after life hacks? I don't know. And, my, and I want to offer a lot of grace here. It's because some of us who probably entered, myself included, just with a lot of messiness right now. A lot of messiness. And we're trying to navigate that. And I'm saying, do we have a posture of wanting to live a Christ-crucified life? See, some of us were hearing this and we're like, I ain't no, there is no way I'm ever giving up what I want. There is no way I'm ever sacrificing myself for, to serve someone else. I'm not living like that. I'm not living my preferences. I want to talk the way I want to talk. I want to live the way that I want to live. I want to do what I want to do. And nothing is going to stop that, not even Jesus. And to live a life crucified as we put down our preferences and we say, Jesus, what do you want from me? And we turn on the screen here, how to live a crucified life as we're just processing for a second. When it comes to our time, just practically, and when it comes to our bank account. When it comes to our time, when it comes to our money. Just looking at how you spend your week, the last seven days. Looking at how we spend our money, the last seven days, the last month, right? Some of you, some of you would say, Isaac, I have no idea how I spend my money. <laughs> because I just spend it and I don't, okay. How are we spending our time, how are we spending our money, just as a starting place in order to love and serve others, to live a Christ crucified so to respond as we wrap up here, um, I can't think of a better way as we're just processing and just trying to live a life as with the gospel, through gospel lenses, Christ crucified. We're going to sing a song. It's called Christ Be Magnified. And I just can't think of a better way to wrap up this message today than for all of us just to stand and sing Christ be magnified in my life. So you want to stand and we're going to sing and I'll pray um, as we jump in. Father, we love you. God, we thank you. Man, I, Jesus, we are nothing without you, God. So I pray we put to death our desires. We put to death our selfishness. We put to death our way of living, God. We put to death worldly wisdom that has seeped into how we think, God. And I pray if we've never experienced, God, seeing your wisdom, your godly wisdom that makes no sense but is so amazing, God, if we've never seen that before, God, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit for the first time, God, you just awaken our hearts, God, to be able to feel you in a way that we've never felt you before, to get to experience you in a way that we've never experienced you before, God. God, I'm praying you send your Holy Spirit, right, just a special falling, special feeling right now in this moment, God, just awaken our hearts, God, as we just can believe you for the first time in a way that we've never seen before, in a way that, again, I've heard things about God, I just never believed it before in that way, God, something's, I think something new is happening in me, I just can't believe it, I don't know what's going on, God, I just pray for your Spirit to fill our hearts in the name of Jesus. Father, I also pray, God, for those of us that have been Christians and maybe Christians for a long time. God, that we just, we're just up and down and we're just kind of going through it, God, and it just seems messy and we just feel lost and chaotic, God, that you send your spirit, God, to help bring um, hope and healing to the lives that we're experiencing. God, and we have no answer. There is nothing that we can do other than to forsake Christ be magnified. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.